0: Hello everyone, welcome to a new Process Mining Café, uh, today Process Mining in Healthcare and I'm very happy to welcome two guests today. Our first guest is Fran Bachelor from UW Health in the United States. Hi Fran. And we are also joined by Luise Puffal, a postdoctoral researcher at the TU Berlin. Hi Luise. Hello. Thank you both for joining us for today's discussion. Before we get into it, I want to remind you all that um, yeah, one of the nice things of these cafes is that we can talk with each other. So just below this video, um, you have a chat on this website where you can just type in your name and then you're in there and you can add any, of, any remarks, any questions that you have. And uh, throughout the session, we will keep an eye on it and every um, now and then in between Take the questions into the discussion, so we yeah we um, we discuss um, further among the, uh, all of us. So yes, let's let's get started. So process mining is such an interesting uh, application area for healthcare, um, and yeah, one of the. The, one of the reasons is that there's a lot of potential, but also there are quite some challenges. And we will talk about this in more detail in today's session. Um, yeah, One reason for this is that healthcare processes are not as um, simple and as linear as you would, for example, um, see a process when you apply for a passport, for example, right? the, the Everyone is different, so there's a lot of individuality and a lot of um, yeah ver- variety in healthcare processes, which is one of the reasons why they're uh, very complex very quickly. Um, but um, yeah, at the same time, yeah, it's very relevant. And if you can make a process more efficient, but also increase the quality for the patients, it's, there's a lot of potential for this. And um, yeah, so before we. Get into all of these challenges and opportunities. Um, yeah, I would like to ask uh, our guests to introduce themselves a little bit about their background um, with process mining and also um, how yeah how did you come to use process mining specifically in the healthcare area? So maybe, friend, do you want to to start introducing yourself?
1: Um, sure. So aside from my first job uh, working in a movie theater selling popcorn and tickets and watching free movies, um, <laughs> the majority of my career um, or my entire professional career has been in healthcare. care. Um, when I was in nursing school, I worked in the admissions department of a nursing home and then also the switch, on the switchboard in a hospital. Um, after I graduated, I worked as an inpatient nurse in labor and delivery, um, and then um, during that time, I went back to school to become a nurse practitioner. So as a nurse practitioner, I worked in community clinics, um, providing direct patient care. Um, And eventually, um, my my path sort of took me to the inpatient surgery department. Um, So I worked in inpatient surgery, providing direct patient care for (laughs) 13 years. Um, And during that time, I became involved in the information systems, um, the electronic medical record So unlike um, other hospitals in the United States, the um, surgery department was the first to have an electronic um, health record. Um, And so I was involved in implementing that from all the way from device selection, um, software selection, to training and implementation. And then when the rest of the hospital... um, Adopted the electronic medical record. I was also involved in that implementation. So that um, sort of my started my interest in um, information systems um, and processes Um, So I started taking some computer science courses and informatics and that led me to um, my current role as a nursing informatics specialist um, Which I've been doing for the past eight years. Um, supporting our surgery department and our wound and skin department. So um, all of the work that I've been doing around process mining has been um, within the surgery department arena. Um, I was introduced to process mining with a course um, that my significant other Bob had recommended to me um, that Dr. Vander had taught on process mining. So that's Kind of how I started my interest in process mining, and
0: um,
1: I introduced it where I work, and so that's that's my journey there.
0: That's great. It's it's interesting. It sounds like that the introduction of the electronics uh, electronic patient system was okay. for you the introduction to basically informatics and analyzing yes. data and usually it's the other way around that like right that the mm-hmm. process miner is going to look for data and then they're looking for these systems but for you it started the journey of looking at, at data interesting yes exactly and um so yeah so maybe louise you i think knew about process mining before you started specializing in healthcare uh, applications mm-hmm. is this correct
2: no not not really actually okay. um so because um i actually have um the other way around um, the carrier i would say so like i was studying first information system and then i got into contact with uh, the medical domain um, so during my bachelor study actually I did a, a dual, dual study program and I did it with a pharmaceutical um, company and so that's why I was naturally um, somehow always involved in seeing um, healthcare processes and um, also how um, yeah to check that um medicaments are working right and so on and then in my master actually I was visiting um, some hospital and did there as a consultant uh, process modeling and analysis uh, projects and uh, there um, I also analyzed data but at this time I was not aware of uh, process mining so much so in my master's studies um, it was starting that we also got involved with that but uh, not so deep at this time so I uh, rather used uh, process modeling and um, also Uh, typical KPI uh, calculations and so on. But then later I started my PhD and also did um, some postdoc time at the Hasso Plattner Institute and they developed a digital health study program. So you can find now there a digital health center and they have a special program. Um, in the master and I provided their uh, process mining courses to um, students which had a medical background but as well as a computer science background um, and teach them process mining and I also had the chance uh, to get some uh, medical log data which the students could analyze and so on and um, the Digital Health Center also got um, or had the opportunity to work together with the Mount Sinai in New York, um, and they uh, gave us the opportunity to do a project with them. Um, So when I was in the group of Professor Weske, we did a project uh, to apply their process mining on a really, really big uh, data set um, there. And that was my way to get into contact with with the healthcare domain from, from an information system perspective.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Coming from modeling and then into process mining, and it sounds like the students today have the chance to already study specifically this combination, like um, analyzing processes with process mining in healthcare uh, through this, yeah, this uh, these yeah. studies.
2: Yeah, definitely, they are much more involved. So this um, program, and I think that's also an other university you now set up that they do do a lot with data and working on data, data mining techniques, machine learning techniques, as well as process mining techniques to um, to help the healthcare system or the healthcare environment to improve there. You know? Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you. Thank you both for this. Um, background I think that's a good starting point to go a little bit more into the yeah the the specifically the the application of process mining to healthcare what does this mean what are the challenges but also the opportunities what we agreed before the session is that we uh, will go through um, the main phases of a process mining project and we will discuss the specific challenges that You encounter and also the questions that you have to answer for yourselves as a process mining analyst um, in these different phases. And the first phase. Is um, what you could call a scoping phase, right? So, in this phase, uh, as the process mining analyst, you need to define where does the process start, where does it stop, um, what do you see as the case, as the activities, um, and, and so on. So, how do you want to look at the process? So, uh, I'm curious, friend, uh, when you work together with um, yeah with the department where you want to analyze the process, how? How does this usually start, and how do you yeah, go about um, this the scoping?
1: So, right. So usually it starts with a problem, an issue, um, that they are um, interested in learning more about what's actually happening um, or how they are meeting their um, key performance metrics. So um, I like to start out with their understanding of the problem and then what Questions they're trying to answer. Um, and then from there, in terms of an ID and where the process starts and ends. Um, so, in healthcare, um, most of the projects that I've worked on um, either take the patient perspective, so um, the process might end from when the patient is admitted to when they're discharged. Um, or um, the case, the surgical case perspective. Um, so, for example, maybe um, a starting point would be when the case is created, and then when the patient um, is um, is in the OR. Or another um, example was the um, the OR room perspective. So, what was happening um, with the um, surgical suites um, on a given day? Um, how many cases were um, passing through that that or, um, what were the um, timings between patient in and out, and um, kind of the any delays between because in surgery um, it's all about patient safety um, and efficiency, um, moving um, getting patients to the right place at the right time
0: right. Um,
1: so and then looking at that way um, might be from again from when the. Um, surgery starts when the patient first patient in first patient out um, as um,
0: that Yeah, so that would be a typical view um when the scope of the process is the yeah the the planning of a surgery, so maybe the replanning right. is part of it, but once the surgery is over, this mm-hmm. process view would be finished. Yeah, I think that's also the perspective that you took uh, when you uh, talked about um, some of the analysis that you've done at the Prostmanning camp three years ago or four years ago, right? So that's also the the surgical perspective that you're taking. Yeah, Maybe just one uh, quick follow-up question for that. So you said that you start out with the questions um, Mm -hmm. that people want to answer or the maybe problems that they have. Can you give an example for what these types of questions are? Because they probably de- de- help also to de- to define the scope in some way.
1: Right. Um, so uh, an issue could be that um, it's the perspective of some of the um, service lines that they aren't getting access to, to the OR. Um, when they're requesting a case, they aren't able to get their cases on the schedule in a timely manner. So it might be questions like that. Or issues that are, they are being confronted with as operational leaders. Um, so, and sometimes the um, problem that they see changes as we start to look into the data. Um, and so, kind of, the it's it's fairly um, it's not real common to have a clear. Um, sense of what the issue is until we start looking at it more and doing the iterations through the data and looking at it more, and then um, as a result, we're able to refine what that issue and problem is.
0: Yes, yes, that's I think also uh, I think was nicely um, uh, shown in the example that you shared with with us on the blog two three weeks ago, right, where you showed a typical. Yeah, was more about the data transformation in this case, but the 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 initial question was um, yeah was a very clear one that people felt that they um, maybe needed more. Uh, more time in a certain room that they had allocated for their surgeries. But ultimately, looking at the data, actually, like you just said, sometimes more questions come up or it becomes more difficult once you start looking at the data because it appeared to be more complicated than what they initially thought the problem was, right? So what the problem was actually shifted through the analysis. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, also what I'm hearing here, and that's I'm I'm curious, Louise, how, how... that's your experience in terms of um, the scoping of the process. Because looking at healthcare, there's on the one hand side the diagnosis and treatment processes that patients go through, but then there's also the more um, scheduling type of processes, which are kind of logistical, right? And all of this interweaves. Mm-hmm. And so, so what? How? Yeah, you know, what's your experience? How to define the scope?
2: Yeah, um, so healthcare processes are really interesting because they are somehow um, big logistics systems. So you have to bring um, patients from one place to another and that's maybe special for them. Um, I mean, if you want to see the quality of care and how things are usually uh, done with patients, then you would... um, you would rather look on what events are related to a patient and maybe also to a special visit of of him or her. Um, Because then you want to see what are the typical diagnoses, what are the typical treatments which we have uh, got. um, And so then you would focus on that. Um, We found it always helpful to also study medical guidelines um, at the same time to find the start and the end point of um, such treatment processes. Um, If you want to know more about uh, the efficiency of um, of a system, then you would rather uh, do a different perspective that you uh, think about where are um, start and end points, or where are, where is a patient entering in a certain system, and where where is he leaving? If you, for example, look at the OR, um, because um, then you would study rather um, lo- the logistics behind it, and where are waiting times, and where have the patient um, yeah laying around, or where are uh, um, yeah, bear problems, bottlenecks, and so on.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Now, and um, so, so one thing based on what you're saying is that using the medical guidelines as a um, as a um, yeah as yeah, to help define the scope of the processes is also really interesting because it shows that it's not unusual. You have this in other post mining analysis as well, but mm-hmm. it's. Um, yeah, for any process analysis that you go into, you have to have some understanding of the process that you are analyzing, right? And having the medical guidelines um, define the expected steps can help define the scope for the process that that you're that you're looking at.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the nice thing about uh, the healthcare is that lots of data exist, really a lot of data because healthcare uh, systems are also forced by the government and by the insurance companies and so on and so on that they um, store a lot of data and that is uh, good but also bad for process mining because then you have a lot of data available where you have to select which is relevant for you and uh, we were for us the medical uh, guideline help to identify what are the relevant events we have to look at yeah especially if you are not the domain expert um, then uh, it really really can help yeah and especially um, yeah also talking to the domain experts
0: yeah exactly yeah so, so we're coming back to the to the data question specifically in a little bit more detail in the, in the second phase but yeah be, before we do that maybe um, yeah coming back a little bit more about the the goals or the the trigger for the analysis right usually there's some reason why you want to do the cross mining analysis like the example that friend that you mentioned is that yeah people um, in these uh, surgery departments, um, yeah, maybe uh, want to feel that they, uh, yeah, th- that they don't get their cases on the schedule, for example. So that was uh, one concrete trigger. Um, are, um, I'm curious, Fran, from your experience, are these typically um, kind of long term? Um, questions that have been there for a long time or are there sometimes also kind of emergency analysis so one of the people in the chat are asking us is, is there sometimes you know for if there's a specific situation right now is this something where you can do an analysis in this moment or is this usually something that's more long term
1: so actually there are a number of um, rapid improvement. um mm-hmm. Events that we take place, uh, take part of. And so that could be an example of something, an issue that we're trying to um, solve relatively quickly. So it's actually can be a variety, something that's um, long term. Um, when we talk about access to the ORs and block times, that's um, actually a, in the industry, that's a, a, a well documented ongoing problem that many institutions struggle with but there are certain things that we um, can target for rapid improvements like um, um, trying to um, avoid late time starts and analyzing kind of some of the um, process steps for preparing a patient for surgery Um, so just focusing on um, a small area of the overall process and to target that Um, and then first like with process mining is to to again to um, get a baseline of what is really happening Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, and then um, helping to drive where to focus
0: right so that sounds like in this situation would the scope would be particularly small and maybe deliberately small Mm -hmm. to focus on some tiny area to see whether that can be optimized
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay,
0: great. One other question that we uh, got in the chat is like, what is the typical start and end point for a surgical process? You uh, said it a little bit already, but can you maybe once more give this as one example where from the process from the very beginning to the very end?
1: So, um, probably like very high level, the kind of the big milestones, if you will, would be um, the patient um, arrives. Um, so they can um, arrive either from the outside, um, from their home or other place, or um, from an inpatient unit. And then they are prepared for surgery. So we call that the pre-op phase. So um, high level, that would be the pre-op phase, but with um, multiple steps within. Um, so it, it it just depends on the level of abstraction that you're looking at. So then the next big milestone would be the patient in the OR, and then the patient in recovery, and then discharged either um, back back home or to an inpatient unit. So at a very high level, those would be kind of the, the key points that we're looking at um, when we're tracking a patient through the perioperative process. Right, um, yes. Yep, it could even start um, in pre-op or in the pre operative phase before the patient is in the hospital Um, so again it's um, kind of looking at what your issue is what you're trying to answer
2: yeah
0: it's what um, you want to see yeah yeah Yeah, and also uh, one other question was like administrative processes or procedures taken into consideration uh, when mining processes and yeah this is what you just explained it depends on how you look at it but also the whole scheduling part it's an administrative procedure that's very central to this whole process right yeah
2: yeah, I maybe we can also tell a little story here. I was also from time to time involved in um, OER processes or also observed them. And I mean, especially the, the, this administrative process where you ask the patient, did you eat something for beforehand? And then uh, the patient is... Um, um, maybe not coming into the whole procedure because he has eaten or drink something beforehand. Um, so that also means that the preparation beforehand must be really good uh, to prepare the patient for the whole procedure that you don't um, yeah, lose your patient during the whole process and then you have not the surgery which you just have planned. Yeah. Therefore, it's interesting to look also at these phases beforehand. Yes, and that would be
0: one of the reasons, right? So if you're looking at reasons why the surgery actually couldn't take place, then you have to exactly.
2: look a little bit before. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, so it's it's interesting that in a way it seems to be maybe easy because in a way you could say, well, it's it's about the patient. So there's probably a very clear patient ID in the system somewhere. So you just need so to, you can them. just take the Uh, the patient id as the case and then you're looking at the process based on that case but yeah it turns out that's not really that suitable right because if you're looking at the at the case id as the patient id then you're getting very long processes um where yeah over the lifetime of the patient basically and this is usually a way too big scoped so you want to take a closer look at a uh, more clearly defined scope, like uh, surgery, maybe with the pre-planning of the surgery included or not, or a concrete diagnosis and treatment. And and also, yeah, there's a lot of, and that's maybe a good um, place also to um, yeah come to the second phase when you're looking at extracting and preparing the data. Um, then what makes it challenging is that the patient might not have just one illness or one surgery, right? Maybe there's different uh, treatments that are going on. So um, selecting the right data is one of the challenges, isn't it?
2: Yeah definitely so like it depends a little bit what um, what data you have available but if you have a huge data warehouse and you have the luck that you have the patient always treated in your system then you have everything about this patient available and then you have to start what to include in your analysis and what, what not to include and usually um, data warehouses are organized in that way that you have the patient and then you have Um, several visits connected with them and for this visits also on counters if i'm um, right here Um, and then you have to select uh, what on which level you want to look and what you want to select for your analysis yes yeah exactly and that's
0: again a place where actually what you mentioned before the medical guidelines can be help of help in selecting the right activities from the system right so i remember that was actually also the strategy uh, that one uh, of our prosmaning camp speakers quite a few years ago I'll, I'll, we'll, all the things that we are mentioning here we are going to link them when we publish the recording so you can uh, watch those back or and take a closer look at um, those references but so what he uh, but um, was telling back then is also you, you look at the, the electronic patient record system everything is there so you're in, in a way in a lucky situation you have the case, and case ID as the patient ID but then there's a lot of different activities and to select which are the relevant ones that you need for particular analysis um, yeah, you, you can use those medical guidelines as a selection criterion to select the right activities from the system And another thing is that sometimes you do have to combine data sources um, that are coming from different systems, right? I I understand, Fran, you are often combining data sets. Isn't this the case?
1: Um, Yes, there are times where I will get um, information from multiple data sources that I combine into one event log. Um, And so depending on where I get the information from, Either that's combined by our analytics department, or um, sometimes I can't do it myself if it's um, less complex.
0: And what are these data sources? Can you give some examples? Um, So um, it could be from our operational database or
1: our non-operational database. Um, We can also pull some broad data from our dashboards. so those are the different um, sources of data that I've used thus far in my projects.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, so what Yeah. You know, what were some of the maybe biggest challenges with the data? Um, so both of you, what would you say is the biggest challenge in the data that you've encountered?
2: Yeah, I can maybe start. So... Um, yeah, one big problem is usually the data quality friend <laughs> can maybe also yeah, yeah, yeah. support the statement yeah. a lot because, Many of the data is actually typed in by the medical experts uh, by hand, so uh, they they do the activities and then they enter um, it and sometimes you have the situation that you have an emergency case and things are happening and are really fast and you have to care for the patient and then you enter and document the steps you have done much later. So we usually have um, timestamps where we cannot really rely on, um, things are getting really better so like um, with new uh, systems also support is there that uh, people can automatically scan things and so on Uh, but there's still a way to go and so data quality really have to analyze I think usually in advance Um, and research and process mining is also providing methods there that uh, we can can cope with that Um, but I would say um, data quality and the details, details of data um, um, are are challenging in the healthcare environment.
0: Yeah, yeah. To the details, we come back mm-hmm. in a moment. But the yeah, data quality and a lot of lot of manual data. That's also something that I have that I've heard before. So, would you agree, Fran? Is this manual data a challenge, or do you see other yes. problems?
1: Yes, I would agree um, with the timestamps and this, a lot of the activities not being recorded real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I've looked at um, documentation that way, I've also included um, information that's input by the user and then some audit trail um, activities to when trying to um, reconcile some of those. Um, I feel like, too, that sometimes um, just the, the issue with the software design itself lends some problems to um, extracting data, especially about patients, and as Louisa mentioned, like the concept of the encounters. So um, sometimes it's not um, as easy to um, track a patient through different encounters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um and so, when trying to um, look at the patient as a whole that way, um, it becomes a bit muddy. Um, and then, um, of course, the, the quality of the data in terms of um, duplicative um, input fields. Um, so. Um, I'm thinking of your uh, the talk that you had at the last um, camp about legacy systems and um, code um, and um, certain individuals um, coming into the job and um, not have not really seen how that that underlying code was structured. And so um, sometimes you end up sort of with people just adding on to the system without a clear understanding of the design and the structure. And so um, we run into some issues with um, duplicate fields Mm -hmm. that um, need to be reconciled, um, that we're actually pulling the the right field that we want. Um, And so um, once I gather the data, I find actually that um, the process mining tool does a really good job of sometimes highlighting some of those um, and so it, it, it's a very good way to help clean up the data for me anyway
0: yeah it's so interesting that you say like yeah. uh, usually we think that manual data is the problem but sometimes also the system data yeah can be really problematic and, and then finding out which are the right fields um, to really contain this information that you need yeah, can can be a little bit of an iterative process, and you are completely yeah. right. The the data validation, um, so the data quality checks are really part of of the, the and a really important part of the pros mining analysis so before any conclusions can be drawn. Right, you you do usually a lot of this already with the pros mining tool that by just by looking at, is this what I'm seeing here? Yeah can this be even real right so you are checking right. what you're seeing with your intuition and your understanding and this is probably also where your uh, your background really helps you because you yeah, you're not yeah you're not coming at this from a data analyst perspective but you also really do have this medical background to right. to check
1: yes mm-hmm. so sometimes it's a matter of looking at the data that you have and saying does this does this make sense? Um, and then validating and cross-checking it against actual logs. Um, because before you take the um, your findings back to the stakeholders for further discussion, um, you want um, to have faith with the data um, and not to lose their faith. Uh, um, because stakeholders are going to know this is, This really just looks off, especially for um professionals that have been working in the field for some time and in that environment, um, they have an expectation of, you know, what might look like and what is really um, kind of really off.
0: Yeah. Yes. And do you do this typically together with them in kind of a dedicated data validation session with, with one of those Each. domain experts?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oftentimes, I'll say, uh, after I do um, data validation, I'll go back to them and, and get their impression of how this looks to them. Does this yeah. jive with what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing from your stakeholders?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes as a process analyst, I think it's also really helpful to see how people are actually entering the data, how is the data coming there. So I also like this process observation where you go through the process and see what is happening to be a little bit more sure how data how data is actually ending up in a system.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that because that's one of the, I think, one of the key principles that lean uh, practitioners are using, right, that they have to visit the shop floor, if you will, if you will. They go there and they look at the process to have an understanding of what the process looks like, that they're analyzing it. But you're completely right. Just being able to see how people are using the uh, IT systems can also give you some information about how yeah, reliable the data is and how they're actually working with the systems. Yes. Such a good point, yeah. Actually, we got one, um, uh, yeah, m- more of a of a comment. Also, maybe related to something that you said earlier, Louise, um, about yeah that the data uh, is getting more and more kind of um, closer to um, to the time when people are actually performing these tasks, right? So mm-hmm. the way I understood it is that um, previously um when, let's say, the doctor, at the end of the day, they go into their office and they write down what they did this day, kind of completely documenting after the fact that nowadays with the systems where you maybe walk around with an iPad or, you know, any kind of, kind of digital devices, you're in a way closer to the process as it really happens. So in a way, you're able to more accurately uh, document timestamp data, which usually like in the... In the classical um, systems or the classical more financially, um, more tailored towards the financial transactions uh, kind of systems where you, yeah, in a healthcare uh, setting, of course, it's very important that um, yeah people get paid for the procedures that are going on. Mm-hmm. So, so that's usually very good, uh-huh. well documented, but usually the, the date when this actually happens is not so critical, right? So that's where manually entering some dates or after the facts can really shift uh, the time when something really happens. So uh, for post mining, of course, the timestamps are really important. So getting closer to yeah the times when things really happened is um, interesting. And this is where, um, yeah, Isabella uh, mentioned something that I think is interesting. She said, first of all, is there any limit in data used in the sense like, is more data better? Yeah. Um, or are there also some limits maybe in terms of understand understandability like can there be too much data maybe and um, yeah she mentioned, mentioned the topic of real-time location systems where some of the systems are basically as a service automatically collecting data and I can, can imagine this can be combined with, with these types of systems right that, that we were just talking about so I'm curious yeah whether maybe Louise also yeah. in your research I can imagine this mm-hmm. plays a role doesn't it?
2: Yeah, so first of all, to mention something uh, regarding the improvement of data, really that real-time data when it happens. So there's a lot of machines involved in the healthcare environments or um, machines to test something on the patient, to monitor the patient, to um yeah, to do a laboratory test and so on and these type of machines are much more integrated nowadays so they um, usually have an interface and uh, that it can be directly data can be directly integrated into the hospital information system um, and so it it is like I think we are in the phase where it's slowly or not slowly but where it's starting at, at some points uh, people can already uh, use it and I also heard for example a story where it was about the patient monitoring um, in, in surgery where they didn't want to have it uh, because uh, then there were also sometimes data where the monitoring system did not work properly and then uh, there was data that entered site like the patient is not uh, um a lot or with something with this heart frequency is not good and this was not true and so they didn't wanted to have it in the in the hospital information system um so I think there is the opportunity of having um, these data much more integrated and also opportunities like um Um, that the system has a barcode or something around or a QR code and then you can really track where he is actually currently. But uh, you also have to handle this data somehow. Um, So that's why I think um, there's still a phase where we are coming from more manual data to these automatically generated data, which is then also at the end trustful because you don't want to have data, which is not correct.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting what's going to to happen there. It sounds like that's a little bit still more on the research um, side, these types of data, right? For example, I think Fran, usually the data that you have been analyzing, that's more kind of the classical um, health information system data, scheduling data, things like that, not machine data. Or did you look at machine data at all at Um,
1: some point? Yes. So um, device integration or um, vital signs into the electronic record is pretty ubiquitous in Mm. um, the healthcare industry. So um, when I collect data it's usually um from devices um if it would be part of my analysis and also um real-time locating systems like for for staff and um for equipment mostly um where we can do analysis that way um I haven't that capability is or that technology is certainly out there. And that's something that we use, um, pretty pervasively. Um, I haven't, um, myself, um, done a lot of work with that, but there definitely is the potential for, um, for tracking, um, uh, especially staff movement, um, when you're on analyzing process steps. So, um,
0: a future goal <laughs> yes I'm just uh, I, I think I'm realizing now um, that this, this example that you shared two three weeks ago on the blog um, w- one of the events in the data set that you were analyzing is patient in the room patient out right. of the room um, and I mean these are, yep. are these manually collected times because it's on the exactly on the hour and the minute or is it something that's somehow detected through a sensor
1: um yes, right now it's manually collected, but it could be if we um, mm-hmm. if patients were um, like Louisa mentioned, if they had like an ID band, which is certainly out there, it's not something that our institution has um, um, adopted um, fully or yeah. um, so so we can't collect their uh, track their movements that way. so but there is that um, that technology is there, yeah,
0: um,
1: and mm-hmm. not sure how that looks. Yeah, in I think also. Yeah, I mean, we get into you know all kinds of um, issues with patients, and so it's, some of those are, are kind of big decisions in terms of um, patient privacy and, and things yeah. like that, and yeah, exactly. and the patient's preference. We have a um, we work with. Um, patient um representatives um in some of the decisions that we make for some of those bigger things so um kind of yeah plays into those decisions
0: that's so important i'm glad you you bring that up so that's that's interesting to hear so you're actively working there with the patient depending on their preferences also right Hmm. But Louisa, you
2: wanted to yeah to yeah especially I think also the United States are much more advanced in these topics uh, because here we always have this um, yeah discussion about uh, privacy and so on um, and definitely we also have to find ways there to um, balance these two interests right. <laughs> um, but I I think that. Uh, Usually, um, the United States uh, is more advanced in all these things because they are more open uh, to test out these things. And here in Europe, I think hospitals um, are also starting to try out things. But uh, regarding privacy, we, we always have to look what is possible. And, um, and therefore, um, it's slowly coming. <laughs> but uh, still, some way to go.
0: Yes, and, and also such an yeah, important topic, right? And it's also interesting to see that there's also research going on to determine exactly like what kind of analysis can you do on certain privacy levels. So that the important thing is that people are really conscious about it and make a clear decision based on what's possible and yeah, justify it, let's say also for the for the purpose of the analysis. Yeah. So maybe, um, yeah. So let's let's come to the next phase, right? We were talking about the scoping phase, determining where does the process begin, where does it end, uh, and what the main questions and goals are that we want to analyze. Then the actual data extraction and the, the challenges that you can find there in getting the data, combining different data sources, dealing with data quality, data privacy, like we just discussed as well and in the third phase um, usually you're going to start with the analysis but often also there it's a little bit of an iterative process and not immediately um, all the analysis can be done right away for the reason that often these processes are very complicated and uh, so this complexity in healthcare processes is even more dominant than in in regular processes um, for reasons like uh, that every patient is unique right often you can actually look at 1000 patients and you have 1000 variants uh, because every patient has followed a unique path if you look at exactly the sequence of steps that they have followed um, depending a little bit on the on the process and the scope of the process that you're looking at and yeah this leads very quickly to a very complex um, processes and we have like um, yeah three brief examples here to um, yeah, illustrate this um challenge a little bit. So the, I wanted to start by uh, showing the yeah, BPI challenge data set. So you, uh, you can see it here up on the screen. So this is uh, yeah one of the public data sets that are provided by the Technic University in Eindhoven every year um, that are anonymized, but real data that people can analyze. So if you're interested in um, process mining analysis with uh, in the healthcare environment, but you don't have access to any of your own data, then that's uh, yeah, something you can take a look at. The very first data set in 2011 uh, was from a Dutch hospital. And the data that you see here is uh, is a very simplified version, right? So if we're just going just a little bit higher, for example, around uh, 50% of the activities, then yeah, it's even already taking a little while and uh, we're going to see that yeah already this still very simplified level where we are only seeing half of the activities and only the most important path it's already (laughs) getting, yet this kind of big spaghetti process, right? So then you have to take um, yeah, you have to apply the simplification strategies that you also apply in other areas. For example it can help to uh, look at um, different segmentations of the data. So for example um, often in the initial data set maybe you have very different patients all together in the same process but um, you can maybe make segmentations of different groups of patients so that then when you analyze these groups of patients separately, you get more meaningful uh, analysis uh, for these yeah, subgroups. So that's one strategy. Another strategy, and again, it depends on the questions that you want to answer. Um, In your analysis, uh, another strategy can be um, to focus on specific activities only, right? So, for example, here, uh, in this case, we have uh, many different activities. So let's see, I think, yeah, 624 different activities. But we can, for example, say, well, let's just focus on the consultations. So when the patient actually was in the hospital for a consultation, then we could just say uh, out of these 600 plus activities, we are just looking at yeah all the the consultations, for example, and if we do this, then we see there's just 16 out of these 600 activities uh, are consultations. So if we say consultations, uh, we will see, yeah, now this is um, yeah a much smaller subset of the data where we can focus just on these particular steps in the process. So this would be one example. And um, so using these strategies, um, in the PROS mining tool by making these segmentations, leaving out details can be a good way and is a necessary way to deal with this complexity, right? But it's not, um, sometimes it's not enough. And um, so to illustrate that, I th- we have two examples here, uh, one um, brought by Luisa, um where, uh, yeah, it shows or it can be shown in the data that often, and we see it even here. So if we go back, to the to the full data set and to the maybe activity statistics you can see if you're looking at the activity names that they are very very detailed right so these there's not 600 activities for yeah for a reason um, or without a reason it's you can see that yeah for example if activities are locked down by a person writing down um certain activity manually this can be one of the reasons why you get many different activities because of slight manual variations and so in in one of your research projects right louise uh, Mm i brought up here this example you were looking at uh, a back pain process can you maybe uh, tell us a little bit more about this example how you how you approach this
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we wanted to know or the question was how the lower back pain um, process is usually working, what kind of treatments are usually given in most of the cases, uh, what flows are the patient going through. Uh, So we looked first of all for the diagnosis of um, unspecific lower back pain um, and then we uh, looked for, for the process and as you can imagine with the medication and treatments entered manually uh, we had also such a spaghetti more uh, process um, and um, yeah first of all we uh, started uh, to look at the events which we really need um, for the for the process or for the analysis and therefore we also studied the medical um, guideline, and then defined which are the events uh, we are interested in, um, and so we had different medications uh, where we wanted to look at, uh, but then we recognized that the medications are usually entered really on a real yeah there you can see the examples that they are on a real uh, detail so you can not only see um, that uh, it was uh, a tablet was given from from a certain medicament but also in which doses um, and um, yeah we also found different versions of that um, based on that we then decided um, that we could ma- uh, that we could use um, medical ontologies um, that we then um, can uh, find ways of abstraction. Yeah, yeah. Now we can also see an example what what it leads to. So you can see the whole spaghetti model and then it's now zoomed into one example.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's, a, that's a
0: problem, right? Like we just said. So if you have, for example, not just the, the medicine, but also if it's 5 gram or 10 gram or mm-hmm. 20 gram, you get different activities for each of those. So you, that's one of the reasons why you get these very detailed... Um, process maps. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, and um, so we used, um, yeah, um, we used a normalization um, and uh, said then, okay, everything uh, which is related to naproxen should be then one word, and then uh, we even further uh, brought it together, and then it was prescribed um, and um, set so that uh, we have only one. Um, yeah, for several ones, we have only one activity type at the end. Um, and uh, I mean, that was a manual approach where we detected how, how it can be done. But the good news is that these medical ontologies are available, so you can automatically um, read them out. You can, uh, there are inf- interfaces to them and um, you can use them um, and then you can um yeah, with the help of them, automatically abstract your events to the right level. What you need for your analysis.
0: Yeah. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And we can point uh, also to the to the paper in the yeah when we share the other links uh, with the recording, so you can take a closer look at that. But I think that's a nice example, like how you yeah have to sometimes also on the data side deliberately group and aggregate things to get them to a meaningful level. So yeah. Leaving out details is not always enough, but sometimes you have to actually make this data preparation step to get the data to the to the meaningful level. Right. And the other example that I wanted to share is um, yeah, the example that uh, Fran showed us uh, two, three weeks ago on the blog is going the opposite direction, right? So sometimes it's not always that the data is too detailed and that you need to do some data preparations to group it and combine it together. But sometimes you also actually need to unfold certain, um, certain activities to get a more, more detailed view, right, Fran? This is one of the examples where actually the standard view was not enough for the specific type of analysis that you wanted to do.
1: Right. So, right, the um, initial data pull um, was looking at from when the case was created to um, the case being put um, into a room where the surgery would be performed. Um, So the perception was that... um, Um, services weren't able to get their cases into a room when they were when they put in their case request even though they had dedicated block time so either they were using up their own block um, or um, it it wasn't available Um, there are other um, unblocked rooms that they're also able to schedule into so just by looking at um, like the most recent um, case created and then into the room, we wanted to look at actually what was happening with those cases. Um, So we um, wanted to look at Um, kind of all the iterations of that requesting and then scheduling into a room. And what we found was that there were multiple um times that the case was requested uh the case date was requested and then changed so there could be multiple times where um it and it was various reasons either um with patient factors or or what have you but um so what we found was that there were multiple reschedules and then um Multiple time, multiple room changes during that whole process. Um, so we looked at the audit logs of how often um, those changes were made.
0: Right. Yes, and I think that's such a such a good example because it's. I mean there's no we we should know that but it's still sometimes easy to forget right as proce- as a process mining analyst there's right. not one right view of the process it it really depends and the previous view that we had here the simplified view there was nothing wrong with this process view for other types of analysis that would have been exactly the right Um, level of detail but for this specific analysis that you were doing for this particular department the scheduling aspect was crucial so you had to get visibility into this um, part of the process so that required some data transformations to bring this detail into your, your analysis. And maybe, so this is a friend, I think that's a nice kind of bridge even and brings us in a way also back to the beginning of the whole, these four phases where we start with the scoping based on also the questions that we have. But once you do an analysis like that, right, then in the last phase, it's about yeah the analysis, but also the communication of the results. So how do yes. you actually work with the department? Um, I'm very curious how yeah how do you communicate with them? We already heard that in in the data validation they are actively involved. So you have a session there with someone, um, so they already get a sense of what you're doing. But yeah, how do you communicate the results of an analysis with these departments? Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Okay. So usually
1: um, I start big picture, so a lot of the stakeholders are interested in the stats, um, kind of the numbers. Um, so And I find um, that the process mining tool um, actually lays that out really nicely with um, the graphs that are actually there. So, so um, a lot of times I'll just take like a snagget of it and then add um, commentary to those graphs that are actually in the tool. And then also um, so some of those different views, like events over time, if we're looking at um, how many um, kind of manipulations were going on with a particular case. So it kind of gives you a big picture of what's going on. And then I, I also do show the process maps because I think that really resonates with stakeholders. Um, they right away identify those process steps and then um, – Looking at the um, timing metrics for those is really useful, too. And then um, kind of the different views, um, either looking at the mean um, or the median, if we're seeing a lot of outliers to get a a better picture, kind of what's going on instead of just looking at the average always. Um, And then a lot of times um, when I can, I I actually um, have the tool with me and if stakeholders have a question about a particular case, we could take um, you know a, a deep dive into that to see what's going on with that a particular case. So kind of a variety um, of methods to communicate the results. So it could be with a tool or it could be um, snapshots from the tool and metrics um, in a PowerPoint presentation. So, it kind of depends on um, who I'm meeting with, um, the audience. Um, so,
0: yeah, that's, that's great. So, it sounds like you start with the metrics, but then you do show some uh, process maps also that was yes. one thing i was curious about because yeah i um, maybe it's not so clear i mean medical staff they are trained in what they do in the in the hospital every day but they're not process analysts right they they don't know anything about modeling processes or anything but if you okay. show them this process that they work in you you your experience is that they do recognize what is shown and can relate right. to it okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, usually if you also look at um, medical guidelines, it's often also used such um, activity flows or yeah, activity good. diagrams. Yeah. Um, so therefore, um, I think um, medical experts are also used to this kind of things.
0: That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, so the medical guidelines and the definition in this visual way actually gives them kind of a process view and a process thinking. Yeah, not Not.
2: Everywhere and not each of them, but uh, if you look at some, you can also see um, similar um, diagrams as we, as our word looks like. <laughs> I mean, not the standardized view, but um, yeah, like typical activity flow diagrams.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I, and, and sorry, I, please I agree go ahead. with
1: that too, because yeah. um, a lot of times physios are used, um, and so I think. Introducing the process mining um, models, um, it captures that complexity better, whereas the visios make it seem much more linear, um, sort of that common path, which is, whereas a lot of times we're interested in um, variations on that, that, because that's where we, we get into trouble.
0: And yeah, then dealing with that variation. Exactly. I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, Louise, in the beginning, you mentioned that you started out with modeling. So that would be the visio uh, view that Fran ref- referenced just now, right? So probably going from that to cross-mining is giving a very different view, probably.
2: Yeah, definitely. When you are modeling, you are usually um, focused on the happy path or so like yes. what a, what is in the usual yeah. case because you also... I mean, when I was interviewing people, they also told me all the variation, but then I tried to select the most common one and uh, some of the problematic ones and try to capture them. But definitely um, with process mining, you have a more evidence-based view on what is happening, how often and what are critical things, where where are bottlenecks or issues happening. So therefore, um, yeah... uh, Process mining can really also give uh, good opportunities to uh, to the healthcare domain. Also, it's not uh, straight ahead, but uh, if you if you start with that, I think it's um, it's very useful.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, giving showing the complexity, but also yeah, being a good starting point then for further analysis and improvements. Yeah, Um, I'm uh, still thinking about the medical guidelines that you just uh, brought up again. And maybe that's also, yeah, relates a little bit to uh, who was it? I think Hilda was um, interested in, yeah, coming back uh, to the questions or the goals of the analysis. So, I mean, if you have a medical guideline, it states. Um, yeah, a certain way that the process should be followed, right? So you have kind of a rule um, for how the process should be done. So are yeah conformance or compliance related questions questions that are relevant or that either of you looked at in your in your process mining analysis as well?
2: so yeah in our project uh, that was also the goal um, that we wanted to do finally when we have then a useful event log ready also the compliance analysis and compare um, um, and it's not about like saying oh you did not follow this um, um, medical uh, guideline it's more about like understanding why are deviation happening there and what are also good reasons for them that um, maybe also you have um, some yeah, further information where the guideline maybe not so, um, should be not followed and where, where maybe also the process can be changed that it can be better followed. Um, but yeah, the word is much more complicated <laughs> again in healthcare. It does not exist one medical guideline for one um, uh, disease or treatment so there are several ones existing and um, yeah, each healthcare system will select uh, what is best for them um, and uh, what what they want to do, and that is is a decision what you have to make at the beginning of a, such a process mining project. What is the best medical guideline, um, and then you can measure or you do conformance checking and can see where deviations and why are there there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you also need this flexibility, right? That's the point. You don't want to have every patient being forced into one specific path.
2: Definitely, you, definitely. Yeah, uh, usually patients have multiple diseases, not only one thing. But um, yeah. yeah, usually you can observe um, that they also have other things, and then you also have to deviate from from the guidelines. So that's very normal.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Fran, are, are compliance questions, do they play a role or is it more KPI-based questions that you have encountered? Um, mostly KPI questions. Um,
1: so an example of, of something that we did look at was um, our um, performance in terms of the case urgency and getting the patient to the OR. So there's different levels from elective, where it the the time um, and date of the surgery can be um scheduled at at the patient's convenience and um, so on or emergency where, where the surgery needs to happen right away yeah. um, to avoid adverse um, effects, so we did look at that um how we how well we were meeting that um those metrics
0: yeah. That's a good point. right? we sometimes forget that when we talk about compliance or conformance, then people always think like following a particular flow, but there's also performance related questions that are compliance relevant, right? So that's an example right. I think. I think sometimes things have to happen have to happen fast or fast enough. Right.
2: Yeah, time constraints are really relevant. Um, yeah. Yeah, environment in the healthcare uh, system you not only look that things ha- has happened so and so fast but also um had they been stopped after an hour because something should only take one hour or, or other things so time related questions and that's why data should be good that you can check yeah. that as well
0: yeah. yeah exactly yeah i think it's nice that we we end back up now in this kind of analysis and talking with the domain experts who ultimately have to do something with those insights to improve the process that we are talking again about the goals of the analysis because of course that's what it is about and um, maybe just looking at the the questions or the the input from the chat again that was I think one of the questions let me see a little bit earlier Um, what the main... Um yeah, what is it? Yeah, what basically what the main the main area say so what, what are the top three goals um that a PROSMANI project in healthcare can achieve? So yeah, what are maybe yeah, I think you can look at it in, in terms of frequency, what are maybe the f- most frequent analysis questions that we see, but also maybe where are the biggest opportunities where what Prosmanning can contribute and in, in terms of how these processes can be improved so do you have any anything to say about about this question
1: yeah, I think one big thing is to have um, with process mining to gain an understanding of what what is currently happen, happening and as Louisa had met, mentioned um, an evidence based way of looking at that um, mm-hmm. of what is actually happen, happening yeah. rather than um, something um, that is intuitive or or what we think is going on but using a more evidence-based way of looking at it to understand what's currently happening because i i think before you start any improvement project you need to understand what's going what's happening right now
2: yeah yeah i think also that um usually um Hospitals want to understand how this uh, process is um, usually running because you have different experts involved and um, every bad, um, expert has his own way of also doing it. It's a typical knowledge-intensive process and you can also learn from each other. So like by seeing that works very well and that is a good way uh, to approach it also on an evidence-based way, I think that that can help. Um, the second thing is definitely um, also to see um, how much are you uh, using a medical guideline, how much are you yeah, um, complying to it, or where are deviations and why are there deviations. And then I think also this performance view uh, um, to, to see also on a data basis – or on a, with, with the help of data, where are uh, bottlenecks, where are issues, where we maybe need new resources, where we need a change in the system to to make it better. Um, that, um, I think, the three typical uh, questions, what you have yeah. there. Yeah,
0: great. Okay, that's. I think that's a great summary. And, yeah, so I think also what um, it's maybe good to yeah bring up once more is like what you see in the in the whole yeah lean approach and lean or yeah process improvement thinking is is the idea that often if you can make a process better, it can actually also at the same time be made more efficient right it's not always like that you have two different goals that are opposing each other but sometimes you can improve the process in one direction and improve multiple things at the same time and I think in healthcare there are also uh, yeah interesting opportunities in this area. For example, I remember one um, project a few years ago, I was at a, a kind of a meeting and was based on a, on a Lean Six Sigma initiative. So it had nothing to do with process mining, but they were looking at a, a surgery process or a certain type of um, patient who got a certain type of surgery and by actually analyzing the process, they could um, improve it in a way that the patient had to spend less time in the hospital. So rather than spending six uh, days in the hospital, they only had to spend three days in the hospital and the rest was um, Done, yeah the patient was at home still recovering from the surgery, but through a mix of kind of um support still from the hospital, they could do this at home rather than having to be in the hospital and on the one hand side, this is uh yeah was more cost efficient for the hospital, but also the patients were actually happier because they wanted to be at home rather sooner than later, right, so sometimes yeah of course that's in in healthcare you're not just looking for saving costs or making something more efficient but always the patient and the quality is is really important but you know often these things go hand in hand
2: hmm. yeah i agree <laughs> mm-hmm. patient care or the quality is the first thing you always look in the medical domain and um, then also other things uh, play a role yeah
0: right. yeah, yeah. And that's also in your processes, friend. What I have seen in eh? these kind of mm-hmm. surgical processes—that's yeah, always. If you can improve that, it's also good for the patients. They don't right. have to be rescheduled or.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. So while we might might want things to go faster, we're also interested in the outcomes too. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it doesn't make sense to um, cut steps in certain processes. Yeah. If we impact
0: outcomes yeah exactly and that's really important to keep in mind and for that you do need this understanding of the the medical processes behind it and explicitly have this as, as one of the dimension in your analysis right the quality of the outcome so that needs to be taken into account deliberately not to yeah yeah not to omit it yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, especially in surgery, you have a lot of steps which are related to uh, secu- um, the safety-ness, patient-safe-ness, um, uh, where you have different checks, like like in a flight where you would have a checklist and you walk through it, uh, is it the right leg, and so on. Uh, so these steps definitely can be not cut out and right. very very essential. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, very good. Great. Yeah, I think it's it's nice that we yeah ended back here in this where we started with the goals and the opportunities that um, exist for pros mining in healthcare and uh, yeah it's exciting to see examples where pros mining can really contribute to improving uh, healthcare processes. So that's yeah that's really great to see and I, I think we will see many more great examples in, in the future. Mm, yeah. So maybe before we start, is there anything else either of you wanted to? To, to add or to say or something. Yeah, new? I
2: wanted to draw attention to um, a Hicks uh, mini track which I'm organizing together with Matthias Weskel um, and Hochel uh, Munoz Gama. And yeah, if you are interested in that, then you can hand in your paper. I think the deadline was in mid of June. Um, yeah, I think Anne will also link the uh, the website to it. Yes,
0: we will link it. So for the researchers who are working on cross-mining in healthcare, that's something you should definitely uh, pay attention to.
2: And the track is also more application-oriented, so we are interested in uh, where things applied, what is uh, successful techniques, uh, methods, and so on, um, where things have really been done in the healthcare domain.
0: Yeah,
2: great. Very good.
0: Perfect. Is there anything else you want to add, Fran? No, just thank,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Thank you both for coming on. It, it really was very nice to talk about this with both of you. And uh, I think it was interesting also, you brought different perspectives on both process mining, but also the the healthcare analysis. And yeah, it was very good to, uh, to talk with you about it. Thank you all for joining us in the Slack um, here today. Uh, we will publish the recording in one or two weeks or so, together with all the links as we promised. And um, yeah, that's it. So thanks a lot for joining. The next PostMining Cafe will take place on Wednesday, 22nd, uh, 21st excuse me, April. And we will be talking about um, somewhat unusual data transformations. So what you can do if you don't really have postmining data, but you have to be a bit creative about uh, making data that you can analyze. So yeah, see you again in one month. and. Thanks a lot again, Luise. Thanks, Fran, for joining us today. Thank you all. And see you again next time. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Thanks for the invitation.